Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's show, could something be lurking in the girls' locker room of a New York school? A woman's warning dreams about her boyfriend could hold more truth than not. A listener shares how the paranormal played a large role in his military life. And would you stop to pick up a questionable old man in the middle of the night during a rainstorm? We'll hear what happened when one listener attempted to do just that. Those stories, your calls, and more today. On Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It depends how creepy the old man is. I mean, you, you, you know, feel bad for somebody, of course, you know, in that situation. But is it safe? Is it, you know? Yeah, I, I think if I were a guy, mm-hmm. I would probably consider doing that. Yeah. But... I don't know as a female, I just... Sure, you never know exactly no. what's going on there. No. Yeah, Very, uh, it should be an interesting story to hear uh, here at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online today. Of course, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number to call in. Of course, you can also write in on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your story with us that way. So lots of ways of getting those uh, stories uh, to the air. Let's kick off the show today with a letter from Bianca. And Bianca writes in, first, I'd like to say that you guys are like a second home to me. I've always been into the paranormal and have experienced so much and didn't know who or where to go to tell my story. I've always been aware if uh, there's a presence around me. My parents were always concerned about what I would tell them. This one particular story is one scary moment in my life that would never, I would never want to have happen again. I grew up in the heart of New York City used to go to a Catholic school in Washington Heights. One particular day, I was sitting in the locker room listening to music because I had a break in between classes. Girls were coming in and out, but for a while, it was empty. The locker room was pretty warm most of the time, but this particular day, it was very cold and damp. There were no showers, so I didn't understand the dampness. I opened my school book to start my homework, and as I opened the book, it immediately slammed shut. My fingers got caught in the book, and I cringed because it slammed so hard. Got up and crawled to a corner, and I was horrified. I went slowly to grab my book, and it slid to the other side of the locker room. I went back to the corner and prayed. 
When I look up, there was a black shadow figure near where my book was. I ran towards the exit, grabbed the book, and left the locker room as fast as I could. I didn't tell anybody about what happened. When I got home, I told my mom what had happened. She looked at me with a look like she was not surprised. She told me that as a child, I would talk to somebody at night. My parents thought it was uh, an imaginary friend. It was not until I called her mama, Spanish term for grandmother, that they knew I was talking to her spirit. I felt so scared. Why would any kind of spirit want to contact me? Since that day, I have had so many other things happen to me. I'll write back soon with other experiences. I hope you enjoy my story. You guys are awesome. I feel I can talk about these things now because of your podcast, and I am becoming an EPP soon. I think somebody's sensitive. Yeah, very much. What about the book? I don't know what book it was. Probably algebra or some kind of crap like that that you have to do in school. Probably nothing with a meaning behind it. Like, don't learn this. You don't want this. Yeah, I would imagine it's probably some kind of math homework, but that's, yeah. I wouldn't be going in that locker room to do anything anymore, especially change for Jim. Yeah, it's kind of creepy that the ghosts are picking the locker room to hang out in. Mm Mm-hmm. In a high school or whatever it was. And it doesn't even have showers, so it's not like the water conduit thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just a creeper. Yeah, just a creeper. I bet Chris Hansen would have something to say about that. That would be an interesting way to bring back to catch a predator. He catches predator ghosts. Oh, like that would a, work out real like well. Like a Ouija board or something, or somehow he conjures them up. Maybe he has a uh, a medium with him, mm-hmm. and then he communicates through the medium to the predator ghost, and the medium tells Chris uh, what the the predator ghosts are saying. That would be real easy to apprehend that person. <laughs> well, you, you can't really apprehend them. Maybe you could have an exorcism then. That's how they get rid of them. Then they break into an exorcism. This could be a great show. Exorcism, exercise them from what? From wherever they're at. So wherever the, the, the creepy predator ghost is is doing their thing, then oh. they have the exorcism and get rid of them. Like, the, in this case, the locker room. In the locker room, yeah. Because they don't want to leave. So we're going to force you to leave. Okay. We've brought the clergy here, and they, then they walk in on, you know. It's a big gotcha to the predator ghosts. <laughs> He's actually trying to get that show going again. Go ahead. I was just thinking, you know, the girls' locker room might be one place where some of the the heads of the schools wouldn't necessarily go in a Catholic school. Sure. That might be why he's hanging out in there. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. It, uh, Predator, he's, he's working on putting the show back together because he got fired from NBC. Okay. But now it's being crowdfunded. Through like Kickstarter or something, and he, he trying to get money to put together a pilot episode to uh, to pitch it then to another network or something, or it could be an online thing. I don't know. I would love to see that show come back. That was one of my favorite shows. I know you talk about it too <laughs> it much. It was hilarious. Uh, Stephanie writes in, "Hello, my name is Stephanie. I'm a big fan of the show. I listen to you guys all the time at work. I am uh, not sure if this is paranormal, but it involves a weird dream." I'm a strong believer that our dreams give us messages or warnings and uh, of what to look out for. About three years ago, I just started dating my boyfriend, and I was beginning to have weird dreams while staying the night at his house. Usually it involved a warning message to me to watch out for something, like check his email or something. Then the dream started changing to nightmares. One night while staying at my boyfriend's house, I dreamt I woke up. 
The room was dark, but the streetlight outside provided a little glow into the room. I was wondering why I woke up, and then I saw the bedroom door open. The hallway looked darker than usual, and I didn't look like anyone was there, but I could feel a presence. Just then, a pale-skinned woman with long, dark hair crawling on all fours stepped into the room. I watched her slowly crawl towards me. She stopped at the foot of the bed where she began rocking her body back and forth. I noticed at this point she had no eyes. They were just dark spots where eyes should be. Her mouth and lips were also black with black lines. She quickly reached out and grabbed my legs to pull me down. I fought her and tried to stay on the bed. I began praying and woke up to my boyfriend waking me up. He said I was shaking, which woke him up. I told him about the dream and we did a small prayer. Before we went back to sleep, I checked the time, 3.30 a.m. I later found out my boyfriend and his brother believed that the house may have been haunted. Sometimes the roof sounded like someone was walking on it or hearing voices in the hallway. Anyways, could I get some feedback on your thoughts about dreams and nightmares such as these? I have some more stories if you're interested. I think dreams can definitely be paranormal and a sign or a warning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what the creepy woman on all fours that rocks would be warning you about. But I, if you have a warning of you should check his email and it's like a recurrent thing, I would maybe be finding a way to hack into his email. Yeah, there might be a reason for that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but... Uh, the the woman on all fours that reminds me of the uh, was it the exorcism of Emily Rose or something and then that was a real creepy scene in there where she's doing that and then it seemed like every horror movie for the next five years had somebody doing that it kind of got overdone <laughs> but um, and people are dreaming about it now that makes me think of something I was going through Harper's closet today and weeding out stuff that's too small and on one of her cutest little outfits mm-hmm. the tag brand is Emily Rose. And I was like, oh, I don't want her to wear that now. Because it says, like, it made me think of Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh. But the tag, like, the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some cute outfit (laughs) I got, you know, cheap, I think, like, at Sam's. It was something like that. Uh Uh-huh. I was like, Emily Rose, what? I thought you were going to say, like, I walked into Harper's room and she's walking on all fours on her back. No, no. I just thought of that today. She's using bath crayons to draw pentagrams. Uh, 855-853-4802 That's her number Michael writes This is Mike from Delaware I have a few brief encounters That happened to me While I was in the army I'd say I'm not a skeptic But I am skeptical Of things that happen In my experience The vast majority of things Can be explained Using critical thinking And reason That said Things do go bump in the night And unexplained things do happen I love your show And listen to it when I'm working I own my own General contracting company It's just me and a couple other guys do commercial maintenance generally at night and remodels of residential homes during the day. I can say with confidence that only twice has anything ever happened to me while remodeling a home. The first one was rather benign, but the second encounter was pernicious. The second encounter was so intense, it's taken me two years to write it down. It was pure evil. I'll send that in at a later time. My first encounter, if you want to call it that, happened in Hawaii, 
at Schofield Barracks when I was 20. My pregnant fiance was killed by a drunk driver on her way home after work. About a month after her death, I was really missing her and trying to sort things out and talking out loud to her as if she was there. That day, I had gone out to the beach with some friends and upon returning to my room, I found my lamp was on. The lamp had been unplugged a few days earlier, after it was damaged during uh, drunk boxing, something that happened from time to time. The lamp had been knocked over and the bulb broken. I had unplugged it until I could get a new, new bulb. When I opened the door to my room, I saw the lamp was on. I thought someone was playing a joke on me. I walked over to the lamp to turn it off, and when I noticed it was not plugged in, I looked at my friend standing in the door and said, Nope, and left. I came back a couple hours later to find the lamp off and unplugged. I examined the lamp and found the bulb still broken. I could not shake the feeling I got when I was around my fiance. I was a little creeped out and asked it or her to not do anything like that again. Nothing like that ever happened again. The next thing that happened was when I was stationed in Korea two years later. Three things happened to me while I was stationed there. I was stationed in the Northern Corridor at Camp Edwards in the Lateral Engineering Unit, 82nd Engineer Company. It was a small camp with only about 180 people on it. The first thing that happened was a reoccurring dream of a guy standing at the foot of my bed watching me. I can still remember his face. Slouched posture, brown t-shirt, and pre-BDU trousers. I'd wake up and no one would be there. But I would swear there was someone standing there. I could see him in my mind standing there, still looking at me, and feel his presence. I only had the dream when I was in my barracks room. I never had the dream while on the field or on leave. And it was always the same guy, just standing there watching me sleep. Once I left Korea, I never had that dream again. What was it? I don't know. There was a lot of talk of soldiers who had committed suicide while stationed there. The barracks adjacent to mine were empty and waiting to be remodeled. It was not uncommon to hear doors and windows slam during the day or at night. The doors to the barracks were locked. The windows were shut and locked. It was odd, but the slamming doors, windows, and the occasional scream were more or less ignored. The next thing happened when I was on CQ. CQ is a duty you pull when you sit at a desk from 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. and there is... A litany of things to do during the 24-hour duty. One of the things was to check the various barracks. There's a set of three barracks lined up in a row. There were three-story buildings made of concrete built after a ceasefire in the 1960s. The barracks and in the middle uh, were the barracks that were being remodeled. When I had my encounter, the barracks had been stripped down to just the supporting structures. Floors, support columns, there were no roofs or walls. It was just a skeleton of a building. As I was making my rounds at night about night, I saw something or someone standing on the second floor of the building. The building was off limits, so I walked up to the second floor to see who was there and tell them to leave. As I reached the second floor, I could see two figures standing at the other end of the building, halfway behind the support columns. I called out to them, identify myself, and I told them to leave the area. They stepped behind the columns they were half obstructed by and disappeared. Annoyed, I walked down there only to find out that no one was there. At the other end of the building, I heard feet being drug across the floor on the small rubble, like small gravel, that covered the floors. I looked and saw two figures again at the other end of the building. I was confused how they could have gotten past me. 
The building was only about 40 feet wide and wide open. Again, they were half obscured and peeking out from behind the columns. I walked to the end of the building again, and there was no one there. There was only one set of stairs to the building that were intact, so there was no way around without being seen. It was dark, but not pitch dark. I could make my way around without a flashlight. When I got to the end of the building again, no one was there. I thought maybe they had made their way out of the building. As I was getting ready to go back down to the first floor, I saw one of them at the top of the stairs to the third floor. I went up to the third floor and chased them around, unseen and unheard, except when they wanted to, me to see them for a few minutes. A soldier in the barracks adjacent to me called out to me and asked me to come up to his room. He and another soldier had been watching me chase these things around. They told me that they'd seen them all the time. As I stood there, I watched three and four of them move around the floors. The figures were visible to the naked eye and looked like man-shaped shadows. We also watched them through a pair of PVS-14s third-generation night vision for a couple minutes. With the NVGs, we could see that they were walking, but it was more like they were gliding. After a few minutes, I had to get back to my duties. Once I noticed them the first time, it was not unusual for to see them moving around or about in the barracks. No one really made a big deal out of it, and we just accepted it as odd, but there. The last thing happened one morning around three. I was tasked with cold start. The temperature in the winter could drop from 30, negative 30 Fahrenheit or below that night. To save the batteries in the vehicles and make sure the vehicles stayed serviceable, we would start them in the middle of the night and let them run for 30 minutes. It was really warm that night in the 30s, and I was calling it warm, a warm start when I picked up the keys for the motor pool from CQ. The motor pool was about 150 feet wide by 400 feet long, with a large building for storing equipment at one end just outside of the fence. On the other end were two small buildings that housed the platoon offices. I unlocked the main gate, called the, main, uh, called the man gate because it's uh, three foot wide and too small for a vehicle, and set about starting the vehicles. As I came to the 40-ton crane, I had the feeling of being watched, and it was quite a bit colder next to the crane, but only in the immediate area around the crane. I got to the end of the equipment and walked back to the gate to smoke, lit up a cigarette, and noticed that the light for the 40-ton crane was on. I put down my cigarette, walked down to the crane, and shut the door. That turned off the light. When I was around the crane, it was still much colder around the crane than anywhere else, and I could not shake the feeling of being watched. I went back to the gate to finish my cigarette, took a few puffs and saw the light come back on. I walked back down there, tested the door to see why it would not stay locked and could not find anything wrong. I shut the door, walked back to the gate, the light came back on again, and I figured someone was playing a game. Walked down there again, shut the door, walked to the end of the line, and waited to catch whoever was messing with me. After about five minutes, the light came back on. I quietly walked behind the vehicles as I approached the crane, and I could see a shadow of a person. I came around the corner and was confused because no one was there. Shut the door, took a step towards the front of the crane when I heard the click of the door unlocking and saw the light from the cab. I turned around and saw a guy standing there in Korean War-era garb. He had his weapon slung over his shoulder, and his K-pot helmet was unbuckled. He was a white male, 5'8-ish, had blue eyes. He was just looking at the crane. He seemed enamored by it. 
After what seemed like a couple minutes, we made eye contact. He nodded to me, and I turned around and sprinted for the gate. I exited the gate and was trying to figure out what the fuck I had just seen. Lit up a cigarette and was trying to figure out how I was going to shut it all off and all the equipment off if that thing was still there. One of the guys from another platoon showed up to start all of the equipment and noticed I looked shaken up and pale. He asked me what, I, or what was going on and I told him I had seen a strange guy messing with the crane. We locked the gate behind us, checked the entire motor pool, and no one was there. It was a small post, and you know everyone who was there. There was a 12 a.m. curfew for all of Korea. That meant that you had to be back to your post by 12. The gates are locked, and no one is permitted in without authorization. If someone was caught outside the gate after 12, they would be in a lot of trouble. I did not recognize the guy, and there was no way out of the motor pool. The fences around the motor pool are ten feet high, with barbed wire running around the top. If someone was to scale the fence, they would be easily seen and heard coming or going. It's hard to explain the security procedures in place to keep people out, and how small Cav Edward really is. That area had almost no trees over fifty years old. Just about all of the trees had been knocked down by artillery during the Korean War. The amount of people who died and the nature of war has given that area an odd feeling to it. What did I see? Again, I'm not entirely sure. I have an idea, but that is just an idea. I don't know if I would call myself sensitive, but I can pick up different energies and people. For a while, I was really working on it, and I could pick all kinds of energy up. After my second encounter with the pernicious being, I quit altogether. For me, it's like a switch that I can turn on and off. I think he's seeing things that are there. Yeah. I know he's skeptical, but I definitely think there's shadow people running around those empty barracks, and I think um, he saw a full-on apparition of somebody from an earlier time period being there. I think it's interesting just how complacent they've all become about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we all seem to see these things, and we're just kind of like, yep, they're there. Well, I think when you're over there, not that that's probably one of the more dangerous places to be at the moment, but I think you tend to worry more about the living than the dead. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I would imagine they're just like, I'm not going to worry about that. I can't worry about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to keep an eye out for anyone trying to like infiltrate or get into the place, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's probably the first thought. But then when you realize, hey, these things are appearing and, and disappearing, uh, right in front of you. That's not a person anymore. Yeah. It's like, and, and you, what do you have to stop that? Really not a whole lot. It's like, okay, just kind of cohabitate with it. And it's just one more thing to worry about sure. when you're overseas. Yeah. It's just... I don't blame them for no. being so complacent about it. I don't either. You know? Very interesting story. Thank you for writing that into us. Of course, you can write in on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you like the show, please help us keep it on the air. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get a bonus episode every single week and access to our big archive of past bonus episodes. 34 of them now in there for you. And uh, also that uh, bonus video, Spirits in the Air. Uh, So check that out when you become an EPP. Please and thank you in advance for that. Ren writes in, so as I mentioned before, I deliver newspapers at night as a second job. I see a lot of weird shit when I'm zipping through very old residential streets during the small hours of the night. One that still sticks out with me happened on a night that it was pouring rain. 
in Portland, I know, impossible, right? Usually Portland rain is a light misting or a drizzle. Very rarely is it a downpour, like the thunderstorms in the Midwest and East Coast. But on this night, it was raining cats and dogs. On a particularly dark street, I saw someone out walking in the rain ahead of me by about a block. As I get closer, I see it's an old man. Not just an old man, but like a creepy-looking old man. He looked a lot like the Hogwarts janitor, you know, the one who has a thing for cats. He was hunched over, almost to the point of making me think he, he had a hump. Behind him, he was towing a radio flyer wagon. Not the newer plastic ones, or the ones that are made to look retro, even though they were just manufactured the weeks before. It was an old, beat-up radio flyer, beat up like it's seen lots of use since the 50s. The wagon had a bunch of stuff, it seemed, under a black tarp, and he was soaked, like dripping wet. His long hair was hung over his face, and he was just uh, puddling around. You can tell by his uh, gait that he was miserable. When I first saw him, to when I was slowly passing him, looking at him, part of my mind was still concentrating on throwing papers, so I didn't really process what I was seeing right away. All I thought was, wow, that's weird. Argus Filch is out collecting scraps. Is that, th- did I say that correctly? Yeah. Three that, what, what is it a reference to? The janitor on uh, Harry Potter. Okay, okay. Something didn't feel right, though. The sight was weird, and I'm used to that in Portland, but unlike other weird things you see daily here, this just felt wrong. So I stopped my car about a half a block after I passed the old man and I start processing it and two sides were battling it out of my head. That guy is creepy. He's probably going to murder you, cut you up and drag you up and uh, down the neighborhood in pieces in that radio flyer wagon. And that sucks, man. He's old and probably wet and cold. Shotgun is open. Why don't you do the right thing and offer him a ride? He can put his his wagon and uh, people pieces in the trunk. I like Ren. My good nature eventually won, uh, won out, and I decided the serial killer or not, ghost or not, I was going to do the decent thing. So, I look back, back up some, and notice he's nowhere to be seen. I mean, literally, no trace of the guy. I stopped to think it over for no longer than ten seconds. I know the owners of the houses on the street I was on. This guy didn't live on that street. The nearest cross street uh, were more than ten seconds away, even if he was running, and he was running, that radio flyer would have made noise. He was just gone. Then I thought, hey, it's not trash day. There's no cans on the street, so he wouldn't be out collecting recyclables or whatever. What's going on? Was he a ghost? Maybe, but... I didn't stick around long enough to find out. Peeled out, rushed through the rest of my route, uh, looking into my rear view the whole time, half expecting to see Argus Flitch looking back at me, all wet and miserable, in my back seat. I like the imagery there. Mm hmm. Because you can just see it. I, I Googled Argus Filch just okay. to see what he looked like, and he is a creepy looking guy. Just not the kind of guy I would be even thinking about picking up. No. I mean, it, it's one thing to have compassion, but it's also to have, you know, safety. And, you know, it's not usually a good idea. Ever, That's you know, so you know. unsettling, though. Now you see him, now you don't. It's like, where did he go? Also, it's, that's like one of those where in the movies you, you have that occurrence. Like, where did he go? And then you go back to doing your thing. And all of a sudden he's like right next to your window. Uh-huh. And it's like, bam, and there he is. <laughs> but uh, creepy, creepy story. I... I 
I love driving through old neighborhoods like that and just seeing the houses and stuff. But I can imagine you do that on a daily basis. You do get to notice where everything is and, and should be. Uh-huh. That the oddities will stand out more and more the more you, you go through those neighborhoods. Right. Especially in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. That's creepy. 855-853-4802. Hi. Hey, uh, Tony and Jenny. This is Daryl calling from Ventura, California. Um, I just wanted to tell a quick little story here. Um, about two, I want to say about two months ago, maybe three now, uh, my stepfather had passed away. Um, and, well, going from that, um, my wife and I here uh, live in Ventura, and our son, uh, we we have a, a seven-month-old baby, and he, as most children do, tends to kind of look around the area, like around the room that you're holding in and all, all that stuff, and kind of, you know, kind of his eyes kind of wander, and you're like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Um, anyway, before my stepfather died, um, he got to meet my son once, and when he met him, it was a pretty emotional meeting between the two. Um, my stepfather, you know, he, he, he had to, he was very ill, so he knew that he wasn't going to probably have a whole lot of time. And, uh, you know, it was a very uh, emotional thing for him to meet my son. And, um, you know, he kept stressing, oh, bring him back to the house, bring him back to the house, because I really want to see him. And, you know, I, one day, well, actually the day that he passed, um, that that morning I woke up and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to get my son ready to take him over my mother's house and, uh, you know, let him see my stepdad and everybody. Um, well, I got a call while I was actually changing my son's diaper to get him ready for the day from my mother telling me that my stepdad had passed away that morning. So, um, you know, still dealing with all that, all the family here. Uh, fast forward from that to about a week ago and my, my wife, I had gone to the grocery store and on my way there, my wife who already has a fun apartment because we live in a building that used to be like a convalescent home that just made it into apartment complex. Um, she sent me a text message and she goes, I'm pretty sure I just saw a ghost or some kind of apparition. Um, and it was around, it was, she said it looked like, a, like all, she didn't feel threatened. She said, no fear or anything like that, but it looked like a white mist. Just, she saw it for like a, a second and a half. Just out of the corner of her eye, and she looked over, and she saw it, and it was gone. Um, she said it looked like it was a, a shape of a, a man, not super tall, like no features, just an outline, really, and that it looked like he was wearing a hat. Um, my stepdad notoriously wore baseball caps all the time, so this is the first thing that came to mind was maybe it's him. Anyway, she said that she saw the the the, the shadow or the, the shadow of light, as she described it which I don't know if that makes a sense. Uh, but anyway, um, kind of peering around the corner of the hallway into the living room like it was someone looking as she sat there on the couch with my son. And she said that about 20 minutes later, she went to the bedroom to get some stuff out of the crib for my son. And one of her little eyeshadow containers, she has these, uh, her eyeshadow containers, I guess they all have different names or whatever. And, uh, there was a little eyeshadow container that was in the crib of my son's crib. Now, there's no reason it would be there. She would have put it there. I would have put it there. It was there, strategically placed in the corner of my son's crib. The name, when she turned it around and looked at the back, the name of that eyeshadow 
is called Now You See Me. So she said she got pretty freaked out. When she told me that, I got the chills. I was like, whoa, okay. Because uh, I have been seeing kind of things out of the, you know, the, the forest, the corner of my eye. And uh, I've been brushing them off. I've been seeing, like, it looked like something moving really quick and what have you. I told her maybe it's just my stepdad because he really wanted to see my son and, uh, you know, see our, our son. <laughs> and, uh, and he was just coming by for a visit to see him again. And uh, that, that's what I think probably it was. So that's my little quick story. Uh, nothing really since has happened. Uh, we had a priest from our, our Catholic parish down the street come and bless the house. And uh, so far, so good. So yeah, that's my story. Oh, also, I wanted to just get a quick little, a couple quick notes. Uh, Tony, I was watching The Office on Netflix the other day, and halfway through the season where Michael Scott's going to leave, I said to myself, Tony should have replaced uh, Steve Carell on the show. You guys have the same kind of humor. It's just, I, I don't know why. It just came to mind. I was like, this, Tony would have been perfect as a replacement instead of James Spader. Right. And uh, yeah, all right. You guys have a great, uh, a great rest of your week and weekend. And uh, I love your show. I listen every day. I do warehouse work. I listen every day, all day. You guys get me through the shift. Thank you very much. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, God bless. Take care. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us. I think you're a little more Dwight Schrute than Michael Scott. I'm not Dwight Schrute. Sometimes your humor is. It's very dark. <laughs> I love I love some of the bizarre, horrible things that Dwight joked about, like the cautionary tales for children. Uh-huh. It's like, and now, strule pita, or whatever, and uh, like the hands are good. The funny thing is, there were so many cautionary tales, tales for children back then. I mean, you can find those books, and they're disturbing. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that they, people will read to their kids. Maybe we should do more of that, honestly. I think we need better cautionary tales for children than what we have right now. Well, they're, they're just too tame. How most parents... Just threaten if you're bad, Santa's not going to come. Yeah. You really embraced the whole Krampus thing. So it's not if you're bad, Santa's not going to come. It's if you're bad, Santa's not going to come and Krampus is. Yeah. I mean, that really gets the point across. You have to have the (laughs) cause and effect. Their therapy bills are going to be so high. (laughs) We don't do Krampus at our home. Jen won't let me. No. (laughs) <laughs> you have two costumes ready to go. You know, either like you can dress up as Santa and show up, and the kids are out great, or if they're being particularly bad that week, then you break out the Krampus outfit. Krampus on a shelf. Does Krampus have elves or like uh, like little helpers, I wonder? What I, are, I don't know. I wonder what they'd be called. Probably not elves, but something. Yeah. That's, that's where gnomes come from. Oh. That's, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. You're getting all your folklore mixed together. There. It is, yeah. I don't know. Um, interesting with the uh, the eye shadow that he found in there. The now you see me. I thought obviously there's some, some meaning there, but the the just the object itself and the fact that he had seen the shadow before. It's almost like a double meaning there. It is a double meaning, I think. Yeah, eye shadow and now you see me. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I I was I don't know if he caught that though. Or if he just kind of picked up the now you see me, and that's cool. But yeah. but the object name itself is what I also was like. Oh, that's interesting. Eyeshadow, like I'm a shadow. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had to to essentially be a ghost and communicate uh, through an object, it's you know, and play charades. That's I think the good way to do it. That one got a lot of message across. Yeah, really did. Really <laughs> did. Interesting story. Thank you for calling that in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Hi Tony. Um, 
This is Shreen. Um, I've called before. I want to say it was probably like two months ago, three months. I don't know. It's been a little while. Didn't mean for it to be so long for me to call back in, but stuff happens. Um, so, um, a story I heard from my mom today reminded me of some things that have happened to me, and it's been bugging me all night. Um, and I just felt like I needed to call and tell somebody. So, first, a little background of my nephew, who the story happened to. Um, he's now seven, 16, 16, 17. Um, his first paranormal experience um, happened when he was about three. I want to say about three. Um, he started complaining about what he called Scoobies. Um, we kind of assumed that it was some sort of dog-like entity because obviously Scooby-Doo is not some ghost but scary little kid. Um, but that's what she called them. And at that age, that's what we kind of figured it was, but they terrified him. Um, there were multiple ones. It wasn't just like one entity. There were a bunch of them. And he had nightmares about them and he saw them in the bathroom. He was terrified of them. Um, I don't know when he stopped seeing them, but eventually it stopped. And we don't know what they were, but um, this sort of thing runs in my family. And it was kind of strange because he's the only one that ever saw them. And usually we feel things and see things too. So we don't know what that was, but he hasn't had anything else happen to him in all these years until uh, just this week. So he told my mom this story and my mom related to me over lunch today. He says that he was in his house alone. He was making himself something to eat. Um, and the cat didn't follow into the kitchen like they usually do. They have two cats. Usually they're always underfoot, wanting treats, wanting attention. And they weren't there. So he called to them and got no answer. The cat didn't come. So he walks out and looks at the stairs, and there are both the cats. They're sitting together at the bottom of the stairs, staring up the stairs. He calls to them. They don't even look at him. Totally ignore him. Calls them again. He can't get their attention. They're just fixated on whatever this is above the stairs. So he shrugs it off and makes himself food. Um, he goes back to go upstairs. And they're still sitting there. They have not moved. Uh, they totally ignore him. They're fixated on whatever is up at those stairs. So he goes upstairs. He doesn't see anything, feel anything. Um, and he goes to bed. And he has this dream, which he explains as it being not, it's a dream, but really not like a dream where you're aware that you're dreaming. You're aware of everything, it feels really real. Um, and he explained, and what he explained to my mother, he was visited. There's a certain feeling um, that you get when something's actually coming to communicate with you um, compared to just a normal dream. 
it's like this weird energy. It's difficult to explain if you haven't experienced it. But it's this weird like transfer of energy. It's like a humming and like a wave of energy. It kind of comes and goes. It's a very really weird feeling. It can be really scary. It terrified me when I was younger, when it was happening to me. Um, so I didn't talk to the spirits very much. But um, since he didn't know what this was, it didn't really frighten him. And he saw the spirit. He said it was a black uh, person, like a form, not like a black person, but like a black shadow person. And that he didn't feel afraid of it. It didn't make him feel anything. He was just calm. It was like he was just kind of watching it. And it was peeking at him from around the corner. And he said that he just looked at it. Like he wasn't afraid of it. It was just like it was there. He was very much aware of its presence. And then all of a sudden he was in his previous house and it showed itself to him there also in this dream. Also kind of peeking at him, like it didn't really want to be seen, but that it was watching. And he said that was pretty much all there was to this visitation was, you know, it just seemed to be showing it, saying, here I am in your house, I'm watching you. And, you know, I watched you in your old house too. That's kind of what I got out of it, was it was just saying, I'm here. Since he didn't feel afraid. Um, you know, usually I hear a lot of tales about shadow people being possibly evil. Um, it doesn't concern me too much um, that this looked like a shadow person. You know, my sister is very in tune to things and I think that she would know if there was something bad in the house but it I don't know it's a little concerning since he seemed to see things when he was little that we could not see that were terrifying but this doesn't scare him so I'm not sure if I should be worried or not um like if it wasn't in the form of a shadow person I don't think I'd be worried at all there's just another spirit trying to keep the cave. But since we don't really know what shadow people are, I don't know how to feel about it. Um, but he's not afraid, so hopefully that's a good sign. But the cats definitely, they were staring at it real good at the bottom of those stairs. He could not get their attention at all. And these are like, except cats that are usually at your feet all the time, wanting your attention and wanting to be with you. Very weird. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it all is about. Um, but his story reminded me of my experiences as a child. Um, I used to get that feeling, you know, the communication. They were trying to talk to me a lot. But um, in my last time I called, I told you guys about my uh, choking experience with a bad spirit. And after that experience, I was terrified to communicate with anything, to be around anything, to have any experience whatsoever, because I thought it was going to hurt me. So I stopped letting them in after that. 
I really shut myself off to everything. Um, but I did have a few experiences when um, they were able to communicate with me. Um, one was in my previous place of residence, before this one I'm currently living in. Um, I saw a shadow figure with a knife, and it was coming towards me the knife raised in a very aggressive manner and as it got to me uh, it hurt like it had stabbed me and I woke up from it woke myself up and I was terrified that really scared me um, that was the most recent one and that was three years ago I haven't had anything happen in a while mainly because I've blocked everything out like I don't talk to anything anymore. I've had too many scary experiences. Um, but my son is afraid of our laundry room and the hallway and the dark. And he says that there are things in his room. He doesn't like being alone ever. Um, and I don't know if I can't feel it because I've blocked all this out and I'm not letting it in or because there's nothing there. I hate to say that he's making up stories because, you know, I would hate to have somebody tell me I'm making something up when it really happened to me. I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, so I've had a lot of communication with spirits in my past that were pretty scary. For the most part, I've been able to fight it off so they don't talk to me, but it's really difficult because especially if you get a really strong spirit, like they push hard to get in and they really want to communicate with you. They want to show you things and yeah. So hopefully everything's okay with my nephew. Um, I don't know why it has been so long in between him experiencing something since this runs so deeply in our family. Um, I kind of would expect him to have things more regularly happen. Um, so I don't know. He's a pretty even cute kid. Um, his personality is very good. So I don't feel he has something negative around him. It's just a little worried. Um, so that's my story for now. Um, got lots more. So just got to head back inside because my hand is going to freeze off. I walk in my dog because I don't have reception in my house. So, um, I will definitely call back hopefully sooner than a few months from now. Um, so, good night. Bye. Her poor dog's going to have nightmares now. You think so? Uh, the dog heard the story. You know, I think everybody in that family sounds like they're sensitive, but I think the boy, the son, is the most sensitive, mm-hmm. at least right now. And if he's not afraid of the shadow person, I would go with that. I would trust his feelings because he seems to show fear when it's needed. Sure, but could he could he also be just not experienced in shadow people yet? And could there be something that's uh, portraying itself to him as safe? Or is it more of a gut thing? You know? It's it's a gut thing. When you're sensitive, you don't necessarily have to have something do something to you or show you that they're mm-hmm. bad for you to know that they're bad. Like, we 
got a weird ass neighbor down the street. Yeah. That dude is bad. I don't care what anybody says. Do you think he's going to walk around the neighborhood with a radio flyer wagon with people parts? It would not surprise me <laughs> at all. It's just one of those things you just know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. Sometimes you just get that feeling and you just, you know, or you don't know. You don't need to see them wielding an ax. Yeah. To go, eh, not such a great guy. 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jenna calling in from Ohio. Um, I'm actually on the road to Virginia, and I've been catching up on your podcast for the last seven and a half hours. So I just heard a story about a woman that a song played and reminded her of somebody she knew. Well, this compelled me to call in and and talk about my it's a short story but it's my experience so uh last march my grandpa unfortunately passed away two days before my birthday march 10th 2014 and i wanted a sign from him that he was okay and i hadn't had one and it was probably about a month later and i'm driving home from college and i'm just thinking about him and i'm getting upset and i was listening to pandora and it was a random radio station. And my grandpa always loved the song Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. So I was just upset thinking about him. And I was like, just give me a sign. Give me any sign in the world. And I will just be happy to know that you're okay. So uh, not kidding, the next song that comes on was Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion. And I was just, you know, satisfied at that point. I was just like, holy crap, that's so insane that it was the next song that came on it was to me it was a sign and and I eventually ended up getting it tattooed on me because you loved me with his initial and uh so yeah that's free but it was a kind of a paranormal experience I guess you could say but it was a you know solidification for me from my grandpa that he was okay so um anyway thank you very much for the show I'm an ETP and I listen at work all the time and I enjoy getting those extra podcast every week so keep up the great work thanks do not sing this is where jenny has to get her tuning harmonica out do not sing for all the (laughs) i think this is the first time the word celine dion has been brought up on our show and it wasn't in a joke initially and it wasn't you and it wasn't me bringing it up in just some obscure (laughs) bizarre way yeah but that's really cool i mean that that's neat uh that 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 happened that way Uh uh-huh you know I give a little more credence to uh, when a song plays on Pandora being a paranormal event than you just catching it on the radio. Yeah, just, I agree. I mean, radio stations pre-program their music days in advance. I mean, I, I can tell you what's going to play if I looked at a log, you know, Tuesday at 2, name your station, if I had their log. Uh-huh. Um now, that doesn't mean that, you know, things happen for a reason and that that's not a possibility. I think that plays into it sometimes. But with Pandora, I mean, that's a custom station. It's only playing to you at that one time. So when that song pops up, it's not, it hasn't been pre-programmed by a radio station, you know, days ago. And it's going to play there no matter what, whether you're listening or not. It's only playing right then. Uh-huh. So it's a little, uh, I think it's a little more manipulation involved or, or the opportunity for paranormal manipulation, if you will. Well, kudos to her grandfather's ghost for knowing how to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. He's up on technology. Yeah, he seems to be. (laughs) He gets it. That was a really cool story. Thank you for calling in and uh, sharing that with us. And all you got out of me was like literally 
half a note of Because You Love Me. I didn't even go to, a, I didn't do a half verse, I didn't do a half line. Yeah. Well, we have a little bit of time left. I could probably get, I could get the whole song in if you I wanted I could to. tell by the look on your face that singing was going to be involved. So <laughs> I just knew to shut that shit down right away. Celine Dion, Because You Love Me for the soundtrack to Up Close and Personal here on Y96 FM. Today's hits and yesterday's favorites. That's great. You like that? This, that was I mean that was on that uh, that was on that movie. Yeah. I know that because I remember playing that song as a current on the radio years and years ago. I think I probably talked like that a little bit too. Pukey? I don't think I was that pukey, but I I was a bit pukey. It was more so like uh, I'm trying to think how it would have I, I can't really do it. I should find a tape uh-huh. of me do it. But there was that that overemphasis on everything and where you needed to you felt like you had to talk louder. Well, weren't you like 14? Yeah, I was about 14. You yeah. were emphatic at that point. Yeah. It's like, Sunny 97.7, Celine Dion, because you love me. Something. <laughs> something. <laughs> I never accept every once in a while your voice would kind of scratch because it had just recently changed. So That's great. That was fun, too. So yeah, something along those lines. Good times. <laughs> Good times. All right. Uh, that wraps up uh, today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please help us keep it on the air. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. Get access to all of our bonus episodes and a brand new bonus episode every single week. It's because you loved us. That's why. Oh, God. For all those times you're an EPP. Oh, <laughs> Just kill me now. <laughs> we do appreciate it. Please and thank you in advance. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, Celine Dion, and myself, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories on.